Welcome. You are listening to the Cover to Cover podcast, lively conversations with cutting edge authors, hosted by Mary Elizabeth Jackson. Mary is an author, advocate, and educator. Join us to find your new favorite author, book, or inspiration. And now, here's Mary. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Cover to Cover. I am your hostess, Mary Elizabeth Jackson, and I have an amazing uh, guest on today and author. I'm so excited. I love, love, love bringing people from all over the world uh, on our show and to uh, share their journeys. And uh, this is no short of really, I think, amazing and wonderful. So if you've ever wondered (laughs) what it's like to travel or know somebody who really has traveled the globe. Um, and maybe you can't, or maybe you uh, don't want to, but you want to live vicariously through someone else. Well, you're in luck today. Um, so Boris Keister, Kester is my uh, guest today. He's an author, a fearless adventure, senior pers- purser. He is a polyglot, an avid sportsman, a programmer, and a political scientist. Boy, he's seen a lot of changes in his lifetime on this planet, I know. He's one of about 250 people worldwide to have traveled to every country in the world. And yes, that's exactly what I said. According to the authoritative travel site, um, nomad, nomadmania.com, Boris ranks among the best travel people on the planet. And isn't that a t-shirt he needs and a sticker on his car? He's the author of The Long Road to Cullaville, stories from my travels to every country in the world. He shares his travel photos and his stories, and you can find them on traveladventures.org. And we'll talk about that before uh, we end the show today. So uh, Boris, welcome to Cover to Cover. Uh, thank you. That was a really long introduction. Thanks for having me, Mary. Um, really excited to um, to be in your show and uh, looking forward to our interview. Uh, I'm so excited. So, you know, I, I do want to ask you just right off, um, how long has it taken you in your life to travel to all these countries? Because that obviously would take a lot of time in the, in your life, I would imagine. Uh, well, it depends on how you travel, but but yeah, it, it basically took, took me most of my life. I, I I started traveling when I was five months old. I mean, I, not that I remember, but my my parents took me along, and um, so basically, I've always been a traveler, uh, and I've always made a point of traveling to places I hadn't been to before. Um, so uh, when I visited my last country, I was uh, in my early 50s. So, um, so yeah, let's say half a century. Wow, that is amazing. Okay, have you, did you know, I mean, like you said, you would, so obviously your family traveled. Um, yes. If you were obviously five months old, you weren't out on your own yet. <laughs> and, <laughs> Not really. Uh, <laughs> unless you're a very, very advanced human. Um, but uh when you got older and you were able to do it on your own, did you know that you wanted to travel or was it just kind of already in your blood, as you can say? It was absolutely in my blood. I I, I had this, um, I don't know, this, this curiosity that, that always uh, pushed me further. And, and I was, I was totally excited whenever we visited a new, a new country or a place we haven't been to before. Uh, even when I was, uh, not even 10 years old, I was keeping 
diaries and I was keeping track of how many countries I'd been to. Um, so, um, so I was already like unconsciously counting countries uh, without, of course, already having the goal to visit every country, but it, it, it was somewhere in my system. And, um, and it still is. I mean, even after, so I, I visited my last country uh, a little bit over six years ago. Uh, and I didn't stop traveling because it's still, I, I probably even traveling more than, than before uh, this year. So, um, yeah, it never stops. It's it's my second nature, so to say. Right. It's your second, uh, well, it's your second job, it sounds like. Um, and do well, you- yeah, our, our first job. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. Now, what do you consider, I, you know, what is considered traveling to a, a country? Is there like a requirement that says, yes, like you didn't just go to like the border and step your foot in and go, yeah, I've been here no. or walk on, then come back. So um, when you've gone to these countries, do you, for yourself personally, do you have a regiment like, uh, okay, I stay for this long or however much time you have, or do you have like, you know, what is your preference? Do you stay for a while so you can see everything in that country? Or is it like you go to the capital and see all the touristy stuff? Um, yeah, that's a very interesting question because there's uh, uh, like, I'm, I'm in several travel communities. You, you, you named the, the most important one, nomadmania.com. Uh, and there are several rules, so to say, for visiting a country, but, but, Every rule is always contested. So there's really no uh, definitive um, law or measurement to say you have to be so long in a country. And so I, I basically live by my own rules, if you want to say it this way. Um, look, it really depends on also on the size of the country. Like we have some smaller countries here in Europe, like San Marino or Liechtenstein. Uh, and I, um, for me, the minimum minimum stay would be 24 hours, but that's absolutely minimum. Which, for for instance, for San Marino, is uh, is is fine because it's super small. People who've been there will will uh, will know that it's uh, you can walk around in in like a matter of I don't know maybe maybe even under an hour. Um, and and but then of course there's many much larger countries and, and in those countries I I can spend up to like over like over a month I just came back from Papua New Guinea which is a bigger country and uh, I spent five weeks uh, my first visit was three weeks I've I've been there for like eight weeks and I haven't seen I probably saw half of it I mean it's it and and this goes for many countries so. Uh, so this is why I was saying before, like, it doesn't stop because there's so many countries I've been to, but I want to see more of. And um, uh, and no, I'm I'm not into just visiting a capital and taking off the tourist sites. Actually, uh, I, I tend to uh, to to prefer the, the countryside and, and, and see nature and, and do hikes um, and go to villages, see um you know what 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 a, what a country has to offer beyond uh the the obvious right absolutely and um well and that makes it really extra special i i really think um you know was there any specific person that inspired you to travel or was that just self inspiration um and you know why did you write the book oh that okay that's <laughs> that's several different questions um i, I well my first probably 
surely my first inspiration were my parents. Uh, they, they uh, I already explained, they, they, they made us travel, um, both, both my sister and me. Um, and, um, and then I met several people on the way who, who further inspired me. I had, I had two friends in, in Toronto in Canada, um, who were avid travelers. They would, they would work one year and then, uh, quit their jobs and travel for a year and, and they would go to destinations that at that time, um, I, I'm, I'm talking like more than 30 years ago, uh, countries that I hardly even heard about. So, so they really inspired me and they showed me like you can, basically travel everywhere even countries that might be considered dangerous or or off off uh, off the grid or whatever you want to call it but uh so so they were um one of the other uh inspirations for my travels um unfortunately they uh, they passed away in an accident so uh yeah i still miss them because i would i would love to yeah you know just talk talk with them about travel and 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 our new destinations but because uh but yeah um now you had a second question why did i write my book um yeah so it basically writing or becoming a writer was was a childhood dream uh so whenever people ask me what they want to be uh most most guys would say you know, a doctor, a pilot, or or fire, fireman, or you know something along those lines. But I uh, I often said I, w- I want to be a writer. Um, and uh, but it was only after uh, I completed my my quest after I after I vis- visited my last country that I decided. You know what? I've I've lived so many adventures, seen so many things, met so many. Uh, awesome people that I I just need to write a book with uh, about this because at least some of the stories just just to be able to share them with the world. Um, so yeah, there you go. So basically, my book is a is a childhood dream come true. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, I don't know if they've talked about have they done a documentary on you and your travels yet? Uh, not yet. But if anyone is interested, <laughs> just I know, me. right? I, absolutely, yeah. And if you want somebody to ghostwrite your life travels, uh, or to, I, I would, <laughs> I, I ghostwrite. <laughs> I just think it's so fascinating. Somebody needs to make a movie. So anyone listening out there, this would be an amazing documentary. Uh, I truly believe, and um, and it's nice to make your dreams come true. Uh, we're talking today with Boris Kester and the long road to Cullaville. Is that the right way, Cullaville? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Stories from my travels to every country in the world. And yes, I did say that. And you can find it on Amazon. That's the book we're focusing on today uh, with Boris. And um, what, you know, I know we've talked about that you were inspired to go to to travel and things. And not everybody has the opportunity to go to all the countries in in the world. Um, Was that sort of a bucket list kind of thing? I mean, I know that word's kind of used loosely, but you know what I mean? To, to actually see all the countries, did you, was it a challenge for yourself? Uh, Yeah. I'm, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm not, Maybe it sounds weird, but I'm not a bucket list person. Okay, that's <laughs> so, not. <weird>. <laughs> well, because because you might say, well, if, if you visit every country in the world, that surely sounds like a bucket list. But it was just like um, I had always been, as I said before, I've been traveling to countries I hadn't been to before. So and and I kept track of where I had been to, 
And at one moment in, in 2008, something big happened in my life. And I decided, you know what, um, now I, I just, I will just go for it. I will just um, give myself 10 years to visit the, the remaining 70 something countries that I was uh, that were still missing, let's say on my on my list, if you want to call it a list. Um, so yeah, um, is, is is that an answer to your question or? Yes, absolutely. I I, I was just kind of curious because you know everybody has different reasons for why they travel. Um, and, you know, do you, and on that note, you know, do you like to travel by yourself? Do you like to travel, uh, with a group or, um, you know, uh, um, several people by yourself? Yeah, um, let me just add one thing to, to what I just said. I, I, um, uh, I'm, I'm really grateful that I took the decision to, to travel to every country because when, when I'm made up a list when I decided to to go for it. Uh, I made up a list of my remaining countries and there were some countries that I hadn't even heard about. And um, so the last 10 years, my, my last 70 countries, some of them were real, real discoveries, like places that you never hear anyone talk about as a travel destination. So um, so it, ha it has greatly enhanced my my view on the world and, and, and my admiration of uh, of the people living on it. So, uh, so next to your next question, uh, no, I, I much prefer, uh, or I avoid travel, uh, traveling in groups. I much prefer traveling by myself or, or, or with my, uh, with my partner. Okay. Uh, because it, it, it just gets more, more freedom, more independence, more flexibility and, and the chances that you, that you really get in touch with people in the ways are, are way higher. Uh, than if you if you would travel in a, in an organized uh, uh, tour, right? And then you know you have people sometimes that you know everybody has to stop for and and take care of and things like that. Uh, what what is one of your favorite places that you've been to? Uh, the culture, the people, the their beliefs. You know that that always fascinates me. How different we are all over the world. It's amazing. Um, yeah, well, probably. I mean, this is obviously it's not an easy question, but um, what comes to mind first is Papua New Guinea. I just came back, as I, as I said before, uh, what is it, to 10 days ago. And uh, it, it already on my first visit, um, it, 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 I really fell in love with it because it's, it's a crazily diverse country. Like there is, um, they have less than 10 million inhabitants and they have more than, 800 different languages, different tribes, the, like the, the diversity is really mind blowing. Um, and people are super nice. It, it, for some reason, it has a reputation of being unsafe and, uh, and dodgy and everything. But uh, on my first visit, I, I traveled independently and I, I really fell for it. And I mostly fell for the people and they, they were super friendly and helpful and, and uh, they made me feel it actually made me feel safe. So, uh, so I came back uh, last month, and um, before going, I was even a bit scared that I would be disappointed because I had such a rosy memory of of, of the country, and I thought maybe uh, maybe things aren't as good as I as I remembered. So, um, but from the 
very first moment I arrived, I, I had the same vibe, the same feel, and the same, um, yeah, positive image of, of of the country. And again, it's it's um, it's not very high on most people's travel radars, but it definitely merits a visit. Even though for most of us, it's it's really far away. Okay, and that was. Will you say the country again? Uh, Papua New Guinea. So that will be. Um, basically northeast of uh, of Australia, just to give you a rough idea where it is. Oh, that is amazing. And I sure, I, I'm sure you have incredible pictures. Um, and- I'm, I'm actually, I was working on them today because I took, I took thousands literally. And it, it's, it's, it's so extremely colorful. Um, I'll be sharing more of course on my website, but um, yeah, it's so, yeah, this is my, um, my direct answer to your question. Yes. Now, will you turn this into a book, like a coffee table book or a book of just the, the photographs of your travels or something? I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm, I'm a photographer as well. Uh, I have um, an, yeah, a crazy amount of pictures from all my travels. I consciously decided not to include any pictures in my book because my book is just about uh, my adventures and it's it's it should I think it should be read as such as a as, as a kind of a travel thriller as some people call it right um uh, but I do have a, on, my, on my website I do have a selection of pictures for each chapter so you can still for some people I mean some people just need this visual um impact so so if you if you really want to have visuals for the book you can uh, you can still find them online uh on, on my page on mm-hmm. my website that's amazing. Yeah. I think that would be a very successful book if you ever decide to publish um the photographs. Um I I'm thinking it, yeah, I'm thinking about doing a um a separate uh book which um like let's put it this way. When when I when I visited my last country, I had this um I decided to make it Ireland, uh which also mm-hmm. explains the title of the book. Colorville is basically the the small uh, village on the border between Northern Ireland and Ireland. And this is where I crossed into my uh, last country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I consciously did so to, to be able to invite my family and friends to celebrate, um, uh, well, achieving, reaching my last country. So, so anyone who attended the party uh, got a photo book, um, which I made specially for the occasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about making some publishing something along those lines, but maybe with some explanation for each picture so that you can actually understand what you're seeing. Sure. Yeah. You would need to ab- absolutely do that. So people would know, um, but yeah. gosh, I think that would be amazing. And, uh, you know, please let me know because I will definitely buy a copy. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Um, you know, what do you say to people who want to travel, but maybe um, they're afraid to travel? Um, yeah, well, I shut up and do it. <laughs> sorry, no, 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 because look, this is this is something that grows on you, and um, so you probably don't want if, if you start traveling, you probably don't want to make um let's say Afghanistan or Iraq, your first destination. You, you, you might start in a country in Europe or South America and then gradually make your way to more off the beaten track countries. Um, 
but generally, and, and, and this is basically the underlying theme of my book, like I'm trying to show that danger and risk are very relative uh, words. And um, you might think uh, a country is dangerous because people tell you so or because you read it or the media tell you. Uh, but the situation on the ground might be completely different. So uh, I actually felt safe in countries that were considered dangerous or that my government advises me not to go to uh, and vice versa. So um, so what do I tell to people who are afraid to travel? Don't let fear be too much of a uh, uh, of an advisor. I mean, it, it, sure, you, you, you shouldn't. I mean, you should do your homework. You should read. You should. Uh, and nowadays with the internet, it's very easy to get like last minute um, information about the situation in almost any country in the world. Um, so yeah, surely uh, look into the situation, uh, the current situation, but don't let fear put you off too much because uh, really the world is, isn't as dangerous as, as it might sometimes look. Mm, yeah, well, we know that, you know, the news sensationalizes everything. Um, what is one of the um, most difficult places that you have traveled to to get to your destination? Um, that's undoubtedly uh, Equatorial Guinea, which uh, and, and what was difficult is that um, back then, and, and I'm talking like around 10 years ago, um, it was practically impossible to get a visa um, for my passport for uh, for Americans for instance it was it was visa free so for Americans it was actually very easy to go there uh, but from almost any other country it was next to impossible so it, it first of all it took it took a lot of effort to get the visa um, and uh, and then even crossing the border even having the visa in my passport crossing the border was another uh, huge challenge where I almost ended up in prison. Um, you you can imagine that this is one of the chapters in my book because it's it, it was a pretty crazy story. And and you know the good thing is at the time it was super hard and it it was it was um, at times I, I I just thought you know what forget it. Um, but I pushed on and and afterwards of course those are the best stories to tell. So it. Yeah, it was inevitable that one of the chapters in my book would be about um, Equatorial Guinea. Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, I was going to ask you about some of the scary things that you've been through, because obviously, uh, you know, you can't do as much traveling as you've done and not run into some kind of trouble somewhere, you know, or a challenge. Um, is that was that one of the more scary times? Because you said you almost <laughs> went to prison. Um, I'm, I'm not sure it was scary, but it was it was just it was just more than just a hassle it was really um you know really feeling like i was bumping into this big concrete wall which wouldn't budge and i i i just didn't see an opening to go forward and then um miraculously um uh, three nuns appeared it was already night so three nuns appear uh, spanish uh women uh, because Equatorial Guinea is the only former Spanish colony in in, in Africa, and um, and they basically helped me uh, helped me get in. Uh, and without them, I don't know. I things might have been different, but uh, they they helped me out. So 
it only goes to show that even in your most difficult moments, you you never know um, when your savior is around the corner and might just get you out and rescue you. <laughs> and I'm sure that that's always good to have when you travel, right? Just just in case. You 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 need you absolutely need that. Um, uh, yeah. No, oh my God. But scary, but scary. No, so scary moments, really scary. Um, maybe I I was once attacked by uh, by someone on the street in Buenos Aires, and he was carrying a gun. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, and for me, I mean, in Europe at least, we we're not really used to seeing people with guns in the streets. So, mm. uh, and he he ended up hitting me with his gun. So. Um, and strangely enough, um, I wasn't scared at the moment. I was just, I was, I actually kept my cool and I was thinking like, well, this is weird. You have a gun, but instead of putting the gun on my head, you, you're, you're hitting me with it. So, so, so I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to give you my, uh, my camera because he was, he was shouting in Spanish that he wanted to have my camera and I, I just didn't give it to him. So he continued hitting me and then, uh, we're talking middle of the day in, 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 in a decent neighborhood. So in the end, um, because there were a lot of people in the streets. So in the end, he just um, ran away because uh, obviously people had been calling the police and um, which actually arrived in uh, two minutes. So um, so and, and only afterwards, I realized, well, wow, this could have had a different ending. I mean, if yeah, he, he could have. I, I, and I never knew if, if the pistol was really. Uh, was a true pistol, or maybe it was a, it was just a fake one. I don't know, but um, only afterwards I realized, well, wow, okay, this was a, this was a close call. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I'm sorry that happened. That's amazing and and scary, and it, I'm glad it didn't deter you from continuing your travels. Um, you know, how no. many languages do you speak? Uh, six. Six languages, and that gets yes. you around the world. Well, no, because there's, um, I mean, they're, they're all European languages. So um, I tried my hand at uh, Russian and Chinese, which are obviously big languages and which are useful in, in quite a few countries. But um, I think I started too late because I, I obviously have a, uh, I don't know, I have a talent for learning languages, but these languages are so different from 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 ours that, they, you really start from scratch and you I think you need to be young to be able to memorize the words, the the, the grammar uh, or or maybe live in the country to really master it. So um, so, yeah, it, it, it takes me a lot. I mean, North South America, most parts of Africa, um, quite some parts of Europe uh, and um uh, Oceania, you can you can get by with with those six languages, but uh, but there are definitely parts in in, in Asia where um, yeah where <laughs> where people speak either uh, Russian or related languages or um, uh, or, or Chinese, like uh, and 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 we're talking about big countries, so so yeah, I've been to places where I thought, look, I I can. <laughs> I could talk to anyone, but I, and then finding out that wait, even speaking six languages is no guarantee that you can uh, you can communicate with everyone on the planet. Right, right, absolutely. Um, well, what would you, um, you know, you you've learned so many different worldviews. 
uh, on your travels, um, what are ones that you were very insightful to you or that you maybe even cherish bringing back home with you? So, yeah, so, so there was this one encounter I had with, um, uh, I was on an atoll in uh, Kiribati in, uh, in the South Pacific. And um, I, I really, a, a very remote island where I think almost no foreigners had ever been. So I, I walked the, the entire island from, from uh, south to north. And when I reached the northern side, I met a guy and he, uh, like a younger guy in his early 30s, I would say. And and uh, we had a chat and then obviously he asked me, where are you from? And I was like, well, I'm from Netherlands. And he, he looked at me like, no idea where, where that is. So I tried to help him. I said, look, it's somewhere between France, Germany and, and the United Kingdom, which are obviously bigger countries and better known countries. So um, so then he he he's, he he. He nodded like, yeah, I know, I know those. So then he asked me, so how long does it take by boat to go from your country to Germany? And I was like, well, there is no boat. It's, I would just take a train or a car or even walk across the border and, and I would be in Germany. And, and he looked at me like, well, that that's, he completely didn't understand that. So, and then he asked me, so what about France? How many hours by boat? And I, and again, I said, well, look, there is no boat. And I, I even decided not to, Tell him that there's Belgium between Netherlands and, and France because that would make things even more complicated. But um, and then I was thinking, like, how can he not know that our countries that I mean, all countries in Europe, most countries in Europe, I just connected by land borders uh, apart from the United Kingdom uh, and uh, and Iceland. Um, and then, but then I started thinking a bit more, and then uh, then I realized that this guy is from a from an island nation uh, in the South Pacific, where basically every country uh, it, it consists of islands, like even Australia, New Zealand, uh, Philippines, Japan, uh, Malaysia, Indonesia. It's it's there's so many islands around, and for for them, your identity is is uh, defined by the island you're from. So. Even within the country, you might have different dialects between islands. You might have different traditions. Uh, and for him, it was simply unthinkable that you could have a a, board, a land border between two countries. Because so, so to answer your question, I was like thinking thinking further, and I I was like, yeah, why is it that? Because I told him like if I can travel from my country to China, and I would never have to take a uh, take a boat. I can travel overland and I would cross like at least 10 countries. And for him, this, this sounded totally absurd. Uh, and then I was like, yeah, why is it that, you know, you cross a border, uh, for example, in Europe, you cross a border and, and suddenly you need to speak a different languages. People eat different food. And, but that border is just, it's very random. I mean, who decided that the border is here and not there? And it, look, with an island, it's obvious. The island is, it's like a geographic entity and, and you can't really have any discussions about it. But a land border, yeah, it's it's a man-made invention. It's it's and and for him it was unthinkable. So so um so that for me was like um uh like a very interesting uh proposition, like yeah, why why would we have borders? 
Yeah. Right. Well, I, and that's interesting, but it's hard to imagine things when you've never been there and never seen them and you've only known a, way, a certain way, right? Exactly. He, he had never left his island. He had never been even, not even to the main island of his, of his own country, let alone uh, visited another country. So he, he absolutely had no idea uh, what, a, what it could look like. Um, and, um, but yeah, for me, it was, and, and of course, I know, I mean, borders have grown historically and, and you know, it's, uh, uh, things have developed over time, over many, many centuries. Um, but, but islands are there. I mean, an island, you, there's, you know, you can't have a discussion. This is my island. This is your island. And, <laughs> and that, that's very, that's very clear, right? The sea between us divides your island from my island. Right. Absolutely. So could you read from, from your book, uh, for us, uh, just a minute. And, um, you know, he is going to be reading from the long road to Cullaville stories from my travels to every country in the world by Boris Kester. And it's on Amazon and everywhere you can find books. It's on Amazon and also other like Barnes and Nobles and other sites as well. And um, sure, yeah. you can order it in your bookstore if you wanted to. But yeah, so I I picked a um, uh, a short scene from the chapter about Somalia, uh, which probably is another destination that's not very high on on, on tourist list, so to say. Um, and it but it was a very impressive um, uh, visit. So uh, I'll read just a short. Um, just a short paragraph from it. Um, here we go. Despite street after street of completely ruined houses, despite its desolate appearance, it's undeniable that Mogadishu once had style and flair. It requires imagination, but if you let your mind run its course, supported by old photographs, an image of an elegant city on the coast of the Indian Ocean will develop in your mind. Wide boulevards lined with palm trees, buildings in white and pale yellow colors, a mix of Italian and East African architecture, where a cathedral stands at a stone's throw from a mosque and where squares with monuments and foot fountains light up the city. Mogadishu is like an old lady who, if you look past the grooves that time have, has mercilessly carved into her face, was once a desirable young woman for, for whom passing men turned their heads. Very nice. Very, very nice. So I want to ask you one or two last questions. Um, well, it's kind of hard to ask this question, I think, like how has traveling changed you because you've been doing it your whole life. Um, so, you know, I don't know if you can answer that one. Oh, I I can. <laughs> okay. Um, well, it it surely made me uh, help me become an, an open minded person. Um, yeah. I um, I really don't like thinking in stereotypes, and um, and I I I I would wish that uh, more people <laughs> would leave stereotypes behind and. And and value people for what for who they are and not for what they think they are. Uh, and uh, at a personal level, it it gave me a lot of confidence because um, when you travel 
especially when you travel independently and you need to sort out problems that you um, inevitably encounter and challenges and everything. And, uh, and when you manage to solve them and to move ahead and to reach your goal, uh, it gives you an incredible amount of, um, uh, of confidence that, yeah, you can make it. Um, and lastly, it made me, uh, maybe it sounds like a contradiction, but, but it also made me a very humble person because I, I just realized, uh, what a incredibly beautiful and rich world we live in. Uh, and so with so many great people, uh, and very modest people and, um, it, it just like, you know, it, it just made me a very humble person. Mm, yeah, I can imagine. I remember my, uh, one of my brothers went abroad his senior year of college and um, they went to Jerusalem. I think they went to Africa. And then when they came back, um, because of everything they got to see, they just really realized how just so spoiled everything is over here. Um, and it was quite a humbling experience for both of them, uh, he and my um, sister-in-law. Um, and so I, it's probably a good experience for people to have every, you know, um, to be able to see that and just be able to be more appreciative. Um, it's a good thing for for all of us to be more appreciative. Um, now, if you ha- since you have traveled uh, so many places, what you know, what is next for you to do? What is your future plans for traveling? Oh, there's, um, so many, right? <laughs> yeah, I bet, no, it's, it sounds crazy, but, um, uh, my, let's say my wish list is, is, is getting always longer instead of shorter. So, um, because, because I, I hear, and that's the thing with internet. I hear like almost on a daily basis, I hear people talk about somewhere I haven't been to before and I see pictures and I'm like, wait a minute. Um, I want to go there myself. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it's, it, it's, um, and, and, and there's many, uh, many countries I've been to already. Um, but of course you, you cannot see everything at once. So, uh, actually I don't think you can ever see everything. Uh, and even coming to the same place in winter or summer can make a huge difference. So, um, so yeah, there's, there's still so many, so many things on my, uh, so many destinations I want to see and people I want to meet. And, and, uh, um, yeah, uh, as I said before, I don't think this will ever stop for me. Um, uh, and, and, and that, it's what I write in my, uh, in my introduction, like, um, it's the same as with wisdom one of the Greek philosophers said, like, the more you know, the more you realize how little you know. And, and it's, <laughs> the same goes for travel. The more you travel, the more you realize that, wait, there's just so much more. Um, so, yeah, plenty of travel plans. Mm, nice. Well, we listen, I would love to have you back on uh, to follow your continued adventures and tell everybody, um, again, because I mentioned at the beginning, where can people find you? And I will have that in the description for the show. Yeah, well, I, I'm writing a second book, so um, I'd be more than happy to uh, to talk to you, talk more about travel, because it will be about travel as well. 
people can find me on um, boriskesser.com, which is mostly focused on my on my book and books, um, future books. Uh, and you already mentioned traveladventures.org, which is where I share my travel pictures and stories. Those are shorter stories. It's it's more for the internet, so it's not really. It's a different kind of writing, and it's mm-hmm. more focused on pictures. Um, and then you can follow me on social media. You can surely, if you if you uh, look for my name, you can you can you should be able to find me on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, and um, and other media. Yes, awesome. And I'm going to follow you on all those uh, social media as well, um, so I can keep up with what you're doing in the world. <laughs> and um, <laughs> thank you, Mary. <laughs> you're welcome. Listen, thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm so grateful to uh, have the privilege and the honor of getting to meet you and um, have you on the show. And would love to have you back on. And I hope you have a blessed day. Um, and, um, some excitement cause I, you've got a lot of exciting things coming up. So, um, I, I wish you the best. Well, same here. I've, I've been listening to your show and, and congratulations. You're, you're, you're fantastic. And, uh, so keep up the good work. Uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll keep in touch and, 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 um, I hope to talk to you on the next occasion. Absolutely. So everyone out there do something nice for yourself today and, uh, and, blessings to everyone. Bye-bye. Very important. Thank you, Mary. Thank you for being a part of our audience today. Please subscribe, like, and share the podcast with your friends and tune in for the next episode of Cover to Cover for all things in the author world.